0: Hey everyone, this is Mike Skinner. I want to welcome you to the sermon podcast for Sweetwater Christian Church. We are glad that you are interested in joining us as we follow Christ. If you'd ever like to support our ministry financially or just learn more about us, head on over to sweetwaterchristian.org. Thanks and God bless. Well, Happy New Year to you all. Uh, If you are not up to speed liturgically, I say Happy New Year because for the Christian church, today actually is the beginning of the new year. Today is the beginning of Advent. Advent is a season of time before Christmas where Christians uh, take time to think and pause and reflect and wait and anticipate the celebration of Jesus' incarnation of the Word of God, the Son of God made flesh come into our world, the light coming into our world, which the darkness has not and will not overcome. And so Advent begins a unique time in the church. You know, it's very interesting to me that when the Christian community over years with its collective wisdom was putting together a rhythm of how God's people might live, they thought it wise for there to be a period of waiting and anticipating before periods of celebration. And so it's it's not unusual. It kind of clues us into the whole Christian life that the new year in the Christian church and the church calendar begins with a period of waiting. You see, there's no Christmas in the church calendar without Advent. And there's no Easter without Lent. There's no resurrection without crucifixion. And Advent is a gift given to you and I, particularly because the the culture that we're in likes to kind of rush us from one sugar-filled celebration to another, particularly in this kind of holiday season. And so Thanksgiving is done, and before we know it, right, we're already thrust into Christmas. And we have lots of gatherings to continue to go through, things to go through. (laughs) There's a slip on my part. Go to or through. I don't know your family. I don't know what the situation is like for you guys. We rush from one to another to another, and doing so is often a way of trying to escape kind of the reality of the world that we live in, and it's for this reason that Advent is a gift, the the chance to sit and wait and reflect, the chance to think, the chance to be intentional about uh, where our hearts are and where we are going. Um, The truth is our culture kind of suffers from like a collective mania of consumerism around the the holidays, and Advent um, cuts into that, it interrupts that, it invades that, and allows us to recognize the truth that life is not like a Disney cruise, right? It's not just fun, 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 celebration, 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 no, there are things that we must wait for, there are things that we must anticipate, there are things that we must uh, hope for. And so this is the season of Advent that we are in. Um, and what I wanted to do with you uh, over the next couple of weeks as we participate in Advent is look at the theme of darkness in Scripture. So the, the Christmas celebration is about the truth that the light has come into the world, the light of God, and the darkness has not overcome it. But Advent first bids us to recognize the truth that there is darkness, and to think about this darkness and to explore this darkness and to perhaps even come to be familiar with or comfortable with this darkness in a way that we have not before. And so if you have your, your Bible, why don't you open up with me to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9 is where I'd like to invite you to join with me this morning. One of the most recognizable poems, that, that um, passages of scripture that is read around the Christmas and Advent season Isaiah chapter 9, we'll pick it up in verse 2. It reads like this, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You've multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, You have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. You see here in verse 2 the, the kind of context for Christmas, the context for Advent, the, the proper context is darkness. It says here that the people who have walked in darkness, it's they who've seen a great light, it's those Who have dwelt in a land of deep darkness, it's on them that a light has shone. Before you and I can be prepared to understand and celebrate and resonate with the beautiful good news that to us a child has been born, to us a son has been given, Advent gives us time and space to look at, reflect on, in an honest and intentional way, the darkness that is so familiar in our world. You see, the the Christian tradition, kind of built into, cooked into the Christian calendar, understands that our world has darkness and light. Well the good news of Jesus Christ that light has come into the world and it's making its way, pushing back the darkness, darkness still exists. The people who heard this poem, the Israelites, they were people familiar with darkness. And then darkness is a theme that you find throughout the scriptures, played with and teased with and looked at at different angles. To those who celebrate a child being born and a son being given, we also find a people who know what it's like to walk in darkness, know what it's like to dwell in a land of deep darkness. Darkness is a very powerful metaphor and and symbol throughout the scriptures for the kind of ache of our world, for the kind of fear and hurt, the discomfort, the disease, the pain, the grief that's so often true of our lives and our experience of life. It's a potent metaphor, darkness. Darkness works a lot like Gravity, we kind of all assume that it it does what it does, and and darkness kind of creates an uncertainty. It, it creates an inability to see, and in one way you might say that faith is is kind of like learning how to see in the dark. Now, hope is is to learn how to be steadfast even in the face of of darkness. Darkness creates an inability to kind of know exactly what is there or what's not there, and it it creates fear and confusion and sometimes hurt, pain, wounds. In 2015, uh, in December, my wife and I uh, got married and we went to Belize for a honeymoon, uh, our honeymoon, not just a honeymoon, um, visiting some friends and there's an island in Belize and we were uh, given a kind of gracious gift to, to kind of go there and spend a week for our honeymoon and on arrival in a little boat coming up to this island, um, early, early, early in the morning, it's so like 6 a.m., I know, it's very early. Much too early for me. We, we come to this island. There's a few dozen people on the island, and they're all up, and they're all doing things. And Lindsay and I kind of look at one another, and we're like, okay, this is not our scene. This is not our ideal kind of vacation. We're going to be sleeping until 11, 12, like a normal day, and then we'll get up and just enjoy uh, the the island And the the life that it has uh, there. And uh, so we we kind of made note of, okay, everyone is up and active real early in the morning when we arrived. And then at like 4 p.m. that day, we understood why. Because it went dark and it went dark fast. The darkness arrived and it arrived aggressively and violently and, and kind of in a scary way. And I don't know if you've seen this kind of zombie movie, right? Where like you've got to get to safety before the darkness comes and they've got like alarms set up and there's like a countdown. This is what the sunset was in Belize. As soon as you saw the sun setting, the colors kind of changing in the sky, you're like, okay, we've got fifteen to thirty minutes. And then it's going to be dark. It's gonna be scary. We've got to get to where we are going. The electricity was kind of spotty on and off, so you couldn't really kind of trust it. And then this island, I'm I'm not sure if it was man-made or not, but it had kind of no protection around it. And so just kind of sitting there in the the middle of the ocean, the the wind would come with the darkness and it would just whistle really, really loud and just slam on the doors and the windows of the little um, villas people were staying in. And, And so you had a very long night of darkness with this loud, whistling wind, these slamming sounds on the door. And, and my wife found out something about me that, that I also found out about myself, which is that I laugh in my sleep. I don't know if you have any like slightly sociopathical things that you do in your life, but I, I laugh during my sleep and I'm told that at like midnight in Belize with no electricity and just pitch blackness, the type of blackness you don't really experience anywhere else, is not the greatest time to be up, not able to sleep, and have your new newlywed husband kind of chuckling to himself in his sleep. It's kind of a fearful, fearful time for her. The ancient people, they would have been, they would have been familiar with this type of darkness, the type of darkness that you and I don't always kind of experience, before electricity, before the, the many comforts that we've kind of set up for ourselves. And so darkness is a potent metaphor for what makes us afraid what makes us uncomfortable. Darkness is a, a good way of talking about what has gone wrong with the world and the ways that we have been hurt or wounded by that wrongness and the ways that even we contribute to it if we're honest with ourselves. And Advent, I think, asks us to hold some space and hold some places to reflect on that darkness, to think about it to acknowledge it. To not just escape it. This is is what our culture has kind of trained us to do. This is kind of all of our our, our gut instincts when the darkness kind of approaches is is we want to run from it. We want to flee from it. We want to just go from light to light to light to light. And yet that's just simply not how life works. And sometimes we imagine that maybe if we're a good enough Christian or we have the right type of faith, we, we just will exist in this kind of light, this kind of godly light. And the scriptures, the stories of God's people over and over and over again prove that, again, this is just not how it works, not even for God's people. There's a type of darkness that they are sometimes called to sit in. There's a type of darkness that they are sometimes allowed to experience. And if we're not careful theologically when we use kind of dualistic language like night and day and light and dark, what we can sometimes do is we can It's hard to make the assumption that God is present with one and not with another. So God's there in the light, and there's good, true things about that, but God's not there in the darkness, and and this is something that we shouldn't talk about or shouldn't acknowledge or shouldn't hope for any kind of activity or presence on God's part. But this is not what we see in the Scriptures when when we're, we're, we're told about the darkness, when we're given examples of God's people walking through dark times. Advent says to you and I, take time to allow darkness to do its work. Be formed in a more healthy way, spiritually, by not succumbing to this impulse of escapism when darkness pulls up. I don't know what your experience has been like in life, but mine has been one where darkness comes and goes. Barbara Brown Taylor in a beautiful devotional uh, about walking in the darkest Christians says that many Christians, they, they would rather have what she calls a solar spirituality where it's like the sun, right? And it's just light all the time. And we just run from the sunlight to the sunlight to the sunlight and we never have to sit or experience the uncomfortableness or the scariness or the pain of the darkness. And she says, reflecting in her own life, she's found that she has more of a lunar spirituality, more like the moon and if you go outside at night and you look up to the moon it's never quite the exact same there's different levels of illumination she says that that kind of reflects her experience and her journey of faith it reflects mine as well it's not a great mirror of my spirituality to look at the sun same every day bright illuminated clear No, darkness comes, it often stays longer than I'd like it to stay. And yet, even there, God is present, and God is at work. And I would even venture to say that God does things in the darkness that perhaps he doesn't do in the light. That there are things to learn, there are ways to grow, there are ways to develop and mature in the darkness that are not Simply possible in the light. An Advent, the gift of Advent, is a gift of time and space to allow that work to happen, to be honest and intentional. It's not that the Christian faith or tradition doesn't want you to celebrate. So the way the church calendar works is Christmas starts on Christmas Day and then goes for 12 days. It's, it's supposed to be this kind of feast that continues for 12 days until the epiphany at the beginning of, of January. It wants to recognize that there's darkness and there's light, and, and there should be a time and a place for both grief and joy, for for pain and sorrow and laughter and happiness. We should be cautious of a faith that wants to jump to Christmas without Advent, or or wants to push through to Easter without Lent, or or wants to live in the resurrection without crucifixion. If you flip with me to Isaiah chapter 45, just a little bit later on in this book, you get a really interesting picture again of darkness. In verse 3, this is what we'll look at. Cyrus, a a king God is using or going to use, is being spoken to. But we receive these scriptures and and receive these words. It, It says this, verse 3, Isaiah 45, I will give you the treasures of darkness and the hordes and secret places that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who call you by your name. For the sake of my servant Jacob and Israel, my chosen, I call you by your name. I name you though you do not know me. He says there are treasures of darkness that will be given to God's people. There are hordes in secret places. Why? For the purpose of knowing who God is, of knowing who it is who is calling our name, of knowing who it is who is begging us forward into the future. I want to suggest that, that even in times of darkness, even in times of sorrow or pain or confusion or hurt that even there there are indeed treasures to be found there are indeed gifts to receive from God I think darkness is a good shorthand way of talking about anything that that frightens us that we want no part of maybe because we don't think we have the capacity to deal with it or we don't want to find out whether we do or not And so this could be a relationship, this could be a situation in our lives, this could be some future, this could be some world event. And we do our best to ignore, to escape, to distract. But What happens when we we do that is if we're not careful, it can have the effect over a period of time of really malforming us. If you look at someone, um, you examine them kind of psychologically, what happens when, when human beings repress the drama of human life, particularly the more negative emotions, more negative experiences, when those things get repressed, it always ends up in a bad place. It almost never works out well for a person to not reflect, process, find some way of walking through and dealing with and communicating and sharing the wounds that they have received. And that's why Advent is a gift to us. Fear, I think, is the main thing when it comes to darkness. We think of darkness, we think of the nighttime, nightmares, caves, doubt, depression, loss, death. It's not knowing what is there. Uncertainty is a kind of a darkness that that many people find Unbearable, And in many ways, it's when our faith encounters a crisis, something we once believed or held true, something we once were firm about that we're not sure of anymore, it's when that faith encounters a crisis that we're plunged into, into darkness. When our faith goes through a period of kind of deconstruction, where we have to kind of unlearn some things, or root through and dig out some assumptions that we have made. And it feels like darkness, and it feels like something we don't want a part of. And yet, you and I as people of faith come to know that some of the best things that happen to us happen in some of the darkest of places. Sometimes some of the biggest hurts that we've had come from well-lit rooms and well-lit communities. I think a lot of people intuitively know it's, it's maybe not so wise to trust someone who hasn't suffered, or at least is not honest about the fact that they've suffered. I think that's even more true of Christians, the spiritual people. I'm not certain how trustworthy someone is who, who's not familiar with the darkness, who's never sat in it and allowed it to do its very unique work in their life. The people of faith have lots of wisdom with how to deal with darkness, with how to process it, with how to speak of it. They come to learn, like a child growing up, that the darkness is not something they have no control over. It's not something they can't talk back to or even breathe into. It's not something that God does not form and shape and mold. The darkness is not a playground where God gives up his reign to another power. Well, the, the darkness is a very unique gem where our muscles are formed and grown. And we might come to learn that at times, perhaps we need darkness as much as we need light. And so Thanksgiving hits, and then Christmas is right ahead of us, and the, the church calendar says, break, wait, go through a time of reflection and anticipation. Don't be afraid of sitting in the darkness. Don't be afraid of naming the darkness. Don't be afraid of allowing God to do what he wants to do in the darkness. I mentioned Barbara Brown Taylor. She, she says there's three steps for people who are trying to learn how to walk in the darkness. She says step one is, is to learn to give up the illusion of running the show. Give up the illusion that you're in control of life and all its many parts. Step two is to sign a waiver that's going to allow you to bump into things that might scare you. Often this is why we don't do that hard work, right? So we know that there there are probably things there in the dark that that might bruise our shin and might frighten us. and, And we'd just rather not address that. We'd rather not deal with that. Whether it's ways that we've been hurt or ways that we contribute to the hurt of other people. then she says step three is is to ask the darkness to teach you what you need to know to allow it to do its very unique work in you. The church, I think, is called to be a countercultural community. And in this kind of cultural season of busyness and celebration after celebration after celebration, a church that practices Advent can lean into this this cosmic ache of a world that is wrong and broken. We can acknowledge we dwell in a world racked with conflict and violence, despair and doubt. We can have space held for our grief. We can be reminded that all of us in one way or another experience this darkness and all of us in one way or another contribute to it. And yet, even in this darkness, we might find ourselves being formed and shaped. We might find ourselves learning things we might not have otherwise learned, growing in ways that we might not otherwise have grown. Advent offers wisdom to the world around us. And Advent reminds us that joy is usually a pretty trivial thing if if we're not first taking time to acknowledge the pain that often goes alongside it, that often surrounds it. So this is the invitation that I want to invite you in on. The past few years here at the church, we've, we've kind of tried to lean further into the season of Advent. It's not something that was kind of a part of the Christianity that I grew up around. But the more that I have tried to practice it and tried to kind of fall into this rhythm that has been put in place by the church of the past, the more I found wisdom there, the more I found health there, the more I've found that, yes, this does kind of mirror my reflection more than just fun, 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 celebration, celebration, celebration. And yes, though I wouldn't desire it or want it, it is in the dark places where I have grown, where I've learned where the things that needed to be broken were broken, the things that needed to be put together were put together. And it is the case that it's time in the darkness and experience of the darkness that allows me to more fully appreciate, enjoy and bear witness to the light that has come. The message of faith, it's summed up in, in the Psalms, speaking of God, it, the Psalmist says, even the, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day for darkness is as light with you. The Jewish worldview, even the way they they understood days, the the day started at sunset. A new day began with darkness. A new day began without the ability to see. This is often how faith works. It's that time of confusion or uncertainty or pain or grief that ends up being the grave out of which life is wrought, out of which resurrection appears. The Apostle Paul, when he came to faith in Christ, if you remember the story, Christ shows up and says, why have you been persecuting me? And the Apostle Paul says, I haven't been persecuting you, you've been persecuting the church. And Jesus says, if you've been killing them, you've been killing me. And and what happens to Paul is he's, he's blinded by the light. And he's blind for three days. He has to be led around in the darkness. And it's there in the darkness that he has to rethink things. It's there in the darkness that he has to reorient his life around the truth that Jesus is alive. The spiritual journey is not just progress, progress, progress. It's not just knowledge and knowledge and knowledge. Oftentimes it's knowledge and then uncertainty and unknowing and then new knowledge. Oftentimes it's some progress and then a step backwards. And then some progress and then a time of just waiting. And when we acknowledge that, we're able, to, I think, to give hope to those who struggle at this time. You know, the holiday blues... It's a thing that I think our our culture feeds into with its inability to hold space for people to grieve and to reflect on and be honest about the darkness. And so I invite you this morning as we begin the celebration of Advent, as we begin this time of preparation, of expectation, of anticipation, this time of waiting. I invite you to to take some time this year and to reflect. To take some time this year and to grieve if you need to grieve. To take some time this year and to to acknowledge you're not in control. To sign that waiver and be okay with bumping into some things that, that might hurt or scare you. To really dig into what God might be teaching you And in doing so, I think when it comes time to celebrate the child born to us, the son given to us, we might be able to do that more fully, more faithfully, more joyfully. Even the dark is not dark to you. The night is as bright as day.